Welcome entrepreneurs and startups to Art of the Kickstart, the podcast that every entrepreneur needs to listen to before you launch. I'm your host, Roy Morjan, president and founder of Inventus Partners, the world's only turnkey product launch company that has helped over 2,000 innovations successfully raise over $400 million in capital since 2010. Each week, I interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level. This show would not be possible without our main sponsor, Product Hype a 300,000 member crowdfunding media site and newsletter that's generated millions of dollars in sales for over a thousand top tier projects since 2017. Check out producthype.co to subscribe to the weekly newsletter. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today, we are talking with Bjorn Ekeberg, Head of Brand and Marketing at Recharge Health. Now, if you haven't heard of Recharge Health, where have you guys been? This campaign ran last year and is still currently active over on Indiegogo for the FlexBeam product. And FlexBeam is this truly revolutionary recovery device that helps relieve, repair, recover faster with the world's first targeted red light therapy device. So this product's been in development for years. It's finally shipping. So Bjorn, really excited to finally be able to get you on the show. I know you've been busy. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's tell our audience a little bit more about the product as if they've never heard it before. So what is you know, Recharge and what is FlexBeam? Yeah, that's been an interesting challenge to work with this is to tell people that there actually is a kind of te- a technology that's been around for a long time, that's been developed for over decades, uh, scientifically and clinically shown that light at certain wavelengths do trigger a, uh, physiological responses in the body. Uh, and to know this thing existed, this technology is out there, and to work with a product that's actually the first one to design it for use on the human body as a wearable. So to sort of to actually to be able to show it to people as though it's a, it's a brand new thing to most people. But for people who know about red light therapy and what it can do, it is also a game changer. So in terms of tackling a few different issues with this product, talk about you know what was the mission, I guess, at the outset of creating this product and has it changed over time? Now, I'd say that when I first came into this company uh, with the early prototype, uh, what I saw, and I, I come from a, a screenwriting background, I'm a storyteller, I don't really work with marketing to begin with. Uh, but so when I uh, encountered this product and this technology that existed, and also the will among the founders to actually get this message out to people, uh, it's amazing to sell a lot of devices now, we have a lot of traction, but that there is just this alternative way in which you can heal and recover better, you can relieve pain and repair your cells in ways that uh, pharmaceutical products could not, or the typical medical or clinical products could not, right? So there's also a bigger message to be to be told here, which I found to be particularly inspirational in all of this. And FlexBeam is just the first product of, of a line of new therapeutic technologies that actually do benefit based on, uh, on science that can uh, really improve healing for everyone to use at home. So let's talk a little bit about your background, Bjorn. I mean, you had mentioned that you were a a screenwriter and now you're the head of brand and marketing and of course, chief storytelling officer, if you will. What kind of led you down this path to to working with a a wellness brand? In this case, it was just um, 
the opportunity I could see along with really like believing in the product, I could see that it worked. So for me, uh, having worked with uh, scripted drama and uh, developing uh, stories for like long format and feature films stuff, I know the best stories are the ones that sort of tell themselves. They're so good that they tell themselves. And with this product, when we tried it on people, it was the first reactions from like the neighbor down the street who first heard about it, about our inventor audience invention. And they were like lining up to try it and they actually could see the results. And the other founder of the company, Christian, my friend from Norway, he was also like blown away. And that's when he founded the company, like that there is something here. So I came in into this uh, completely as an outsider uh, in a way, but I was fascinated with the technology and I could really see that this has um, a huge potential, that there is a little revolution that lies in this kind of product for people just the general approach, the understanding we have about the fact that light can heal. It is actually when you start thinking about it, uh, it makes a lot of sense, but we're not, we're not trained to think that way, that there are um, other ways that you can influence your, your body physiologically um, in this way. So uh, that was part of like why I um, came into this. And as the years, like the two years I've been uh, part of this now, there's been less and less time for screenwriting and more and more time for interviewing people who have effects or are using our product and sharing their stories. And their stories are really now like the main feature of like the content we make and what we try to, the message we try to get into the world is through uh, all the now, like we have about a hundred of these testimonials and we have thousands of products coming out and we're just collecting these these user stories, they speak for themselves. So describe a typical day for you at Recharge Health. Oh, there is no typical day when you're doing a startup that's uh, bridged across two worlds. I'm in Oslo, Norway, and the operational headquarters is, and we, we make the products in Thailand, and that's where the founders have. It's um, a group of like Norwegian, Dutch, and UK-based people in, um, uh, in Thailand have developed this product. Uh, from the ground up, and we, you know, we shipped from there. Uh, but the company headquarters is now being moved to Norway as part of also an expansion in the U.S., which is coming up for us that we're selling more in the U.S. and the U.K. And so shifting the focus toward U.S. and Europe. So the normal workday uh, in that kind of scenario is a lot of virtual office, to put it this way. There's a lot of video calls. I would say non-recorded calls like these ones. Uh, sure. Yeah. So you mentioned a lot of storytelling, but directly coming from the consumers, which I think is great because it's, it allows them to tell your story for them, for you, and also how personal it is in terms of the problems that they may be having with their body and how light therapy is helping them. So what was that shift in terms of potentially focusing on the consumers more once they get their product to use them as marketing material, whereas before it was simply here's why we're creating this and here's how it can help you. Well, it is that we're getting more products out into the world and hearing the stories back. So it kind of follows from its own logic of now having uh, thousands already out there. And we're very excited. We have seen uh, great results from our early surveys and we're uh, very excited to see what's, you know, what's going to happen with all, all the people who are right now as we speak, uh, are, many of them are actually getting the devices they ordered a long time ago, in some cases on Indiegogo, but they're finally, uh, finally out in the world. 
Yeah, so the original campaign ended uh, December of last year. Uh, you did over $800,000 in backers, you know, with 1,800 backers coming in. And now you've been in, in demand and you've pretty much doubled your numbers with over 3,600 backers and almost 1.6 million raised. And as you mentioned earlier, you guys have now shipped actually 3,500 units. So interested to hear some of those uh, potential issues or any logistical nightmares that you guys have encountered there that could help, you know, the next founder uh, deliver, you know, on a million dollar campaign. Well, it's kind of um, chaos pilot activity to go through COVID on the top of it. One thing is being a startup and going to crowdfunding and then having the sort of, you know, the world that we're all living in. At the same time, it's definitely been a challenge for the supply chain. Uh, we have we forecasted uh, production, the bigger production of devices that we sold on Indiegogo to be shipping already in February. But so as we were getting closer to that, it started getting delays on individual parts. And uh, we, we uh, worked really hard to get through uh, this extended period. But that's why we've uh, stayed on in-demand for a longer period than we first anticipated as well is uh, until we have fulfilled all the orders and have a surplus and actually have produced 5,000 units. And so uh, that moment is coming in, kicking in now. We're facing our last month on, on Indiegogo on in-demand. We'll be running um, a special promotion because it's the um, uh, it's going to be the, the best price you will be able to get on a FlexBeam as well. It's still uh, on that platform for about another month before we sell it in our own web shop. Nice. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the Indiegogo campaign. How was it decided internally that that was the right platform to launch this innovation with? I mean, in this case, for us, having a health tech product and uh, having an interest in the sort of cluster around Silicon Valley, San Francisco, with hotspots around in different parts of the world, it made more sense for us to go on Indiegogo than, than Kickstarter. And I believe uh, Indiegogo was has more traction for the kind of technology that we're bringing to market. So even though we made a smaller platform, we saw that that's like, that was uh, for us the only logical choice. So why, if, you know, in speaking of logical choices, why was crowdfunding the logical choice to launch the innovation on and not direct to the consumer through a website? I would say one of the main reasons is uh, the ability to generate pre-orders that people are on a crowdfunding campaign are willing to put money down for something that's not made yet right in some cases we we launched with a few hundred devices that were ready to ship and they were sold out immediately we could see that this is actually what people wanted was if it was available they were willing to pay more uh, but for the pre-orders you can give yourself three months four months five months lead time on however long it takes to make the product and you can't do that very easily in e-commerce to have like with today's consumer expectation that you come to a glitzy web shop page and like you add it to cart and it says they will ship in four to five months, maybe. Uh, crowdfunding is very special for that. I think that there's a certain kind of community, especially Indiegogo has been able to, uh, to generate around these kinds of products that there's also a, a type of user who's willing to take a risk. Uh, and we really needed that to be able to scale up production from being able to offer a few hundred units to being able to now take an order of over 4,000, right? Which uh, is going to take some time to fulfill. Absolutely. So walk walk me through the product launch strategy then with Indiegogo. You know, what did you guys do prep work leading up to the launch? We uh, focused a lot on the first 
24 hours and the first 48 hours to make sure that we had a good game plan for, you know, the initial the initial launch and the uptick in the algorithm. We got as much advice as we could from smart people who've been in this game before on how to make the most of the actual launch date uh, itself. Uh, in our case, because we are based in Asia, we we managed to maximize the first 24 hours by starting the campaign on on Asian time Bangkok Singapore where we had some some pledges that we knew that we had lined up people who were ready to start putting it in and by the time Europe woke up we could do another round of emails and have people pitch in so the idea was that by the time San Francisco PST which is the California is where most of the even though the platform has reached everywhere that's like clearly the, the the main focal point so by the time they woke up they were already there was a campaign that was already taking off and I believe we reached the first hundred thousand dollars and within that first day, right? So like very early on in the campaign. And uh, so that was very important to set the tone and to be able to follow that up consistently. There was only then that the sort of um, advertising started kicking in. Uh, but the most nerve wracking and the most instrumental and key part of launching a crowdfunding campaign is that initial phase. It's like a movie premiere, but uh, you have even less control. Yeah, indeed. So in terms of the pre-campaign marketing, it sounds like you guys were segmenting your lists based on geography or time zones, but what did you guys do to build up such a high quality list of people ready to engage and buy? And how big were those lists? Uh, I would say we had a smaller uh, list, like through the network of people, we had already pre-sold. We had a lot of friends, of the like we'd built a community of friends around the company that were crucial in this phase. Like that was an inner kernel we could count on. And then the list were uh, mostly generated through Facebook leads in the last three weeks before the campaign, sort of an aggressive lead gen campaign um, to try to get good lists. Uh, it worked, but uh, I would say it, it didn't, uh, the, um, uh, the emails didn't work as well as, as we thought. It was really advertising when we could show people like videos with user products and building the credibility through the content is when we saw better results. I would say that worked better on the, on the whole, you know, but the lists were important to get things started. For sure. So when the campaign was active then and running, you guys, you know, shifted up, I guess, a little bit in terms of creative or focus, who were you marketing to in terms of community or, you know, brands or affinities that they kind of fell into that quickly resonated with this product to help you guys achieve six figures in the first day? Uh, on the advertising front, we targeted, I mean, the early tech adopters that you can naturally get through the Indiegogo platform and that Indiegogo own digital services can can help to reach um, but really people who have it was either crossover uh, alternative medicine or people who have some sort of interest in things like acupuncture etc like there was a precise interest targeting or overlapping of interests work well uh, and we saw increasingly we learned from the campaign that our typical buyer was older than the usual demographic on indiegogo so it was in the higher end of the spectrum and we have known this for a while that it's a product that uh, is even more like to put it simply uh, older people tend to have more pains and aches and health problems uh, and the most motivated purchases we could find were like we believe from our surveys it's a lot of it's driven by health problems and pain more than it is uh, just wanting to have a new gadget for your health 
right? That the purchasing motivation lay in in um, in a very specific condition in in many cases. Interesting. Yeah. Did you see much, you know, hesitancy or pushback from an older demographic potentially backing their first product ever on Indiegogo? Yeah, I think we uh, like our campaign brought in a lot of people to the Indiegogo platform that wouldn't normally that are not typically on there, like that didn't quite know um, about crowdfunding. And in some cases, you do get, you know, you get a mix of both that we could see um, with our support team fielding a lot of questions in this direction from people who struggle to understand and some of the dynamics of like having to wait and not, you know, not necessarily having having things as clear cut, like with the customers in Europe, for example, uh, unfortunately, VAT has to be added, like you can't charge it on the Indiegogo platform. So those customers are experiencing suddenly getting an added bill. And even if you tell them they're still or like they're notified, they, it's, it's, it still doesn't click in for them. Things like this, definitely issues for. We had a really good like support team throughout the whole thing. You know, and there's a lot of like being on Indiegogo is a very public activity. Like right. everything we do there, it's also commented on. So in the month we had when we were sort of, we were actually delayed in production and we're like arriving from like missing part. It was also visible to the public that we couldn't deliver, right? So uh, this is, I, I think this is a, you know, a very interesting feature of crowdfunding that you don't have in a web shop where you can, again, sort of hide behind the facade. You both have a ticker saying how much you sold. And it's also public knowledge when people start complaining uh, if it's for other campaigns, if it's a scam product, it's, <laughs> you know, you will see it on the wall. In this case, thankfully, people are responding positively that are getting it. And now we're having positive comments again. But uh, it's it, it can be uh, it can be challenging. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I can imagine. I mean, during the campaign, you guys got some great press coverage, you know, Men's Health, New York Mag, uh, The Atlantic even picked it up as, you know, a top biohack product. So what tips might you have for other creators looking to get great press coverage, you know, for their startup? Well, I mean, in some of those cases, the press coverage is like about red light therapy generally and stuff. I would say press coverage right. is one of the hardest things, uh, hardest things or most unreliable things to, to get. We have a lot more coming out now. But that's also taken a lot of time. We found uh, it's one of the experiences I have with like approaching journalism with crowdfunding. Uh, like crowdfunding is a very special kind of space. Uh, there's a lot of hesitance in the public sphere around it as well. Like for for journalists to to be interested, and like as though it's not. In some cases, I think it it can also suffer from there being bad products on the market but this was a concern we had about going on indiegogo is like there we know that there are products on there that are just not that great to be honest or like that may not work or may not deliver what they they fail to and so to have a product that uh that we know really really works for people but to go on a platform that's associated or like has a has a taint for some consumers that's a that's a, a challenge but uh what we were Counting on the whole way is that this will show, it will show like you don't get to a million or $1.6 million in shipping product unless something is really working and it's actually legit. But building credibility is like the main challenge uh, in launching a product like this. And, and crowdfunding doesn't necessarily help you with a wider circle. Right? Sure. Yeah, I agree. Outside of that beat. So that's the, that's the next leap for us. 
So with all the marketing efforts in the crowdfunding campaign and project so far, where have you guys seen the biggest return? Where as in? You know, whether it was Facebook advertising, Instagram, YouTube, influencers, email marketing, you know, all of those omni-channel opportunities, where did you guys see the greatest return? Most of the money is with Facebook because that's how the Indiegogo platform works and how most of it goes. Uh, I would say Facebook ads is, has been the biggest uh, part. And then whatever we could get of organic traffic and through the Indiegogo platform, like newsletter bumps through that community was very important uh, as part of it. But uh, I think the biggest benefactor was probably Facebook. Nice. Yeah. So after Indiegogo's campaign ended, you know, you guys are still in demand right now. Talk a little bit about why you guys have decided to stay on Indiegogo in demand and, you know, what was the process like there? Because you guys have obviously had a, a ton of success there continuing to stay on the platform. Yeah, it's for us a way to keep selling and taking pre-orders to fulfill all the orders, build our web shop and just get to... Um, unveil the next platform uh, and in demand gives us the flexibility that we can stay have all our ducks in a row before we switch basically so it made sense for us uh, definitely you get more traction that we got uh, more sales in the crowdfunding phase because that's the horse race intensity part of the sprint whereas in demand is uh, is more slow and steady uh, but it's been it's been a way to keep the company sort of afloat and running while we are pl uh, planning for the next next platform. So it's been good to us. And we're also uh, excited now to see what we can do in our last month uh, when we also have lots of product to sell, also ready to ship stock that we haven't had for a few months. Oh, that's great. So in terms of reflection, you know, what, if anything, would you guys have done differently if you were to start this project over again? I, I uh, have more time to do <laughs> more planning. And to not have to wing it would be uh, one thing. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, I'm not sure, actually. You can cut up. Okay. <laughs> what, would, uh, what would then be your top tip for raising over a million dollars on Indiegogo? You've got to have a great product and you've got to have a lot of people who believe in your product. Uh, then it's totally possible to reach that goal if you can, can tell that right story, I think. Absolutely. So where are you guys headed next? What's the next category or product that you guys are planning on putting out there to the world? Uh, that is a trade secret. We're working on it. Uh, we have some serious um, upgrades of this targeted red light therapy technology that we, uh, that we have in FlexBeam. Uh, and we have some very interesting additions or uh, um, other things that will complement use of FlexBeam. But that's still in the in the works. Well, I'm excited to see what's going to come out next with you guys. It's really uh, innovative what you've already created. So congrats on not only having a ultra successful Indiegogo campaign, but actually shipping products close to on time. I know it's been difficult over COVID. So congrats to you and the team. Yeah, thanks a lot. And it's really been an amazing team effort as well. And I'm, uh, I'm just excited to see all the people out there being, being interested and, uh, and trying it for themselves. Absolutely. Well, Bjorn, this is going to get us into our launch round where I'm going to rapid fire a handful of questions at you. You all good right. to go? Okay. Okay. I'm ducking for cover, but all right, fire away. There we go. Um, so what inspired you to manage a brand of an up and coming startup? I saw the product and I believed in the people. Nice. So if you could meet with any entrepreneur throughout history, who would it be? 
the founder of Aura Ring. I think nice. I'm impressed with that company. Yeah, I love Aura Ring. I uh, I love getting my score every morning. So, what would be your uh, first question for him? Uh, how they laid the plan from their first device till their second, because it's the current Aura Ring that you have is number two, I believe. Yeah, I've had to upgrade the uh, the ring. My first one had an issue, but now we're we're on track, so we're good to go there. But uh, any books that you would recommend to our listeners? How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan. Nice. That's definitely a good read for all those startups out there. Uh, what advice would you give to a new inventor or entrepreneur looking to launch their product using crowdfunding? Make sure you know how to tell the story to the people you want to sell to. In other words, marketing, but not to follow just the normal scripts, but just to know the core. Like, what is it that you're actually proposing to people? What is it Absolutely. you have? Yeah. Nice. Uh, what's one invention that's made your life easier? That would be Aura Ring again. There you go. All right. Last question for you, Bjorn. Yeah. What does the future of crowdfunding look like? Uh, I think it's still going to be bubbling with uh, exciting new projects. Yeah, I look forward to that future as well. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been an amazing interview. This is your opportunity, Bjorn, to give our audience your pitch, tell people what you're all about, where they should go, and why they should check you out. Well, uh, FlexBeam is a brand new way for people to relieve pain, repair cells, and recover faster. I think it's going to be in a lot of households in the future, and you have a chance to check it out early. Uh, while it's still in the crowdfunding mode, this is the, about the last month before we uh, launch our own web shop. This is a brand new form of red light therapy. It's targeted, uh, it's more effective, and it's designed for the human body. If you think it sounds too crazy to be true, just try it for yourself. Uh, that would be my, uh, my pitch. If you haven't heard of this technology before uh, and what you can do, check it out for yourself and okay. what the users will say. I can't wait. So audience, thanks again for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for the notes, the transcript, links to the current campaign and everything else we talked about today. And of course, thank you to our crowdfunding podcast sponsors, The Gadget Flow and Product Type. And of course, if you like this episode as much as I enjoyed it, make sure to leave us a review on your favorite podcast channel. Bjorn, thank you so much for joining us today on Art of the Kickstart. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for tuning in to another amazing episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a better business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, show us some love by giving us a great rating on your favorite listening station. And of course, make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for all the previous episodes. And if you need some help, that's what we're here for. Make sure to send me an email to info at artofthekickstart.com. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you on the next episode.